Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in downtown Los Angeles. The Phoenix Suns embarrass themselves in the fourth quarter once again. They lose 138 to 111. Remember, they were up by 11 against Memphis and then blew it because the Grizzlies decided to fight. Well, this time it was the other way. The Suns were down by 11 and again chose not to fight entering the fourth quarter. They lose the four 37 to 20. Clippers scored 30 points in every single quarter of the game. They had six players in double figures and two players with nine points. And the battle of the paint, bad. Zubak had six or had 19 and seven. Nurkic only had eight points and three rebounds. Suns are in a tailspin. They're up next against the LA Lakers Thursday night in Los Angeles. End of the year presser for Jonathan Gannon. Spoke about, uh, started by thanking the media for the way they covered him this year. You're welcome, but I, I wasn't invited. He discussed Kyler being the franchise guy, talked about the future of Hollywood Brown, then gave some bad news as it relates to DJ Humphreys, the starting left tackle. Within the next month or two, he'll have um, surgery, and then he'll start the recovery process there. He's got to let the MCL heal before they go operate on the ACL. Um, so that's kind of the time frame of that. That's not good. That means surgery might not be for another two weeks or a month, and therefore delaying when rehab will start. First game of the 2024 season for the Cardinals will be September 8th. Okay, Edmonton, Seattle, St. Louis, all tied at 41 points. That's for the last spot in the playoffs, one point ahead of the Arizona Coyotes. Yotes one point behind. Now, here's what you got. Oilers, hottest team in hockey. They're at Chicago. Florida is tied with the, as the hottest team in hockey with Edmonton. They're hosting. They're at the Blues. Seattle is at Buffalo. If you want to keep your eye on the Yotes, they take on the second-best team in the whole league, Boston, tonight in Tempe. Face-off at 7 o'clock. <laughs> Well, this came as a little bit of a shocker, but then probably not. I don't know what that meant either. Juan Guerra is the head coach of the Phoenix Rising, but not anymore. He has taken an assistant coaching job with the Houston Dynamo of the MLS. So congratulations, coach. Thanks for the first ever USL championship victory. And now the Rising immediately need to look for a new manager. College football, Michigan crushed UW, 34-13. Quorum and Edwards each had over 100 yards rushing, and Michigan dominated every aspect, including defensively when Penix just couldn't get on a roll. Here is the Washington quarterback. We'll be playing for the biggest game in college football, you know, but obviously we didn't come out how I wanted to, but I know that each and every player on this team, you know, they, they gave it their all, and, you know, um, it wasn't enough today. Both sides lose a lot, but they play next year in the regular season because next year they're both in the Big Ten. That was the last game in the history of the Pac-12. NBA quick. 
John Morant, season-ending shoulder surgery. He only played six games this year. And finally, oh boy, this is, this is different. How do you know you're the biggest jerks on your own wedding day? A couple bum-rushed their favorite coffee shop in Indianapolis. Friends blocked the parking lot with their cars. Other friends walked right in and moved chairs and tables to block the door. No one at the coffee shop knew what was going on. And a bride and groom walked in in a tux and real dress and then put all of the groomsmen, bridesmaids, photographers, and flowers had an entire 20-minute wedding and then scattered flowers and petals everywhere and walked out without cleaning up or spending a dime. Wow. As a Catholic, I could say this. They should just be happy the wedding only took 20 minutes. Jackpot Unplugged Army. I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime, or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedworldwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. The Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes and the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our Honky Tonk Brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. I don't know if I really am going to tell you the story, the dumbest thing I've ever done. But today ranked as a clear-cut, 100%, second dumbest thing I've ever done. And man, am I glad I didn't get caught. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your TV every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merge. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. I need to get back to celebrating success of, of nailing the Open. That For those of you that are new to Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But that Open timed out with the music. 
Boy, if you're a hardcore general, how long did that take? That, that might have taken like three whole months before it was expected to be right. It was, it was bad. If you ever want to entertain yourself, and please, I could use every download I can get. You can go, you can go to Doug Franz Unplugged, and when you click on Listen Now, you'll get the current version at the top. But you can continually load up old versions on a company with a website called Podbean. And when this thing first started, you know, when I first got fired and about four months later decided this is what I was going to try, I, I dabbled in December of 2021 to say, okay, what if I hit this button? What does this do? What does this do? It was pretty entertaining to do that overnight. And then I just, man, I just started yapping and saying some crazy, crazy things. So uh, uh, those of you that are old school know what I'm talking about, and I appreciate you being a part of the journey with me through this whole time. Um, I'm going to give you, if you ever get a beer with me sometime and you want the full story, I'll give you the full story, okay? But the incredible half version of the dumbest thing I've ever done is the girls wanted to experience the drive, meaning they wanted to drive across the country. So there was... I think it was 2016. I'm not totally sure. But Jennifer and the girls flew to Ohio for uh, like three weeks for a summer vacation. Um, My grandma was probably, you know, I I knew she wouldn't be around much longer. So I decided I want to go home and and spend uh, time with grandma. So my grandma. So therefore... uh, The girls flew out and went to Jennifer's hometown for like, oh, like two weeks or three. I I forget how long it was. And then met me in my hometown. And then I stayed there for about a week and a half, something like that. I don't remember the details. But anyway, then Jennifer went back to her hometown and I drove the girls back to Phoenix. It was the three of us on a long adventure. And uh, Siri did not send us interstate the whole way. And I'm like, all right, I'll I'll handle this adventure. Like, I know how to get around the country interstate-wise. Basically, just like you could just ask me now, how do I get to, oh, take this interstate, this interstate. Just kind of a kid sitting in the back of a minivan, you know, when I was a teenager looking at the Atlas, back when we used to look at Atlases. So um, I kind of know my way around interstate-wise, but we, we went back highways and stuff like that. There's this little town of Meade, Kansas. And we were eating at a pizza buffet for lunch in the little bitty town of Mead, Kansas. It's a town, seriously, with three stoplights. And the oldest was just taking forever to eat. So eventually I just said, hey, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to uh, go, get, go back and get gas, and then I'll come by and pick you up. Okay, so they, the kids stay there. I drive over to a gas station. And I fill up with gas, and I don't realize it, but I accidentally hit the open trunk button and not the open gas button. Then I I hit the open gas button, so I pump the gas. I don't realize that the trunk is barely open. So now I drive away. And then when I drive away, I only get a little bit down the street, and all of a sudden my trunk flies open. Okay, that's pretty stupid. So I pull over, close the trunk, and I keep driving over to the Pizza Hut. Well, as I'm driving over to the Pizza Hut, all of a sudden it hits me. Oh, wait a minute. And I don't know if you know that intern McKenna plays the viola. I said, I put her viola on the top of all the suitcases. I didn't check to see if it's still in the trunk when the trunk flew open. So I run into Pizza Hut. Girls, let's go. 
Let's go. And, uh, and this, you had to think these these farmers in the Pizza Hut thought, who is this Yahoo City person coming in here yelling like this? So the girls get in the car, and I say, girls, I think I left the, I, I think I lost your viola. How did you lose a viola pump of gas? Don't worry about it. Let's go. Let's go. So we go back to the city. We go back to the, not the city. It's Little Mead, Kansas. We go back to the gas station. And it, I haven't even done the dumbest thing yet. This is now the dumbest thing. For those of you that are golfers, how many times have you screwed up your shot and you said, you know what, I'll hit a second ball. Maybe it's a provisional or maybe you just feel like I better practice. That was such a bad shot. I'm just going to drop a ball and hit a second for practice. Then as you fly by the ball in the fairway, what do you do? You drive right beside it, grab the steering wheel with the right hand, lean out with the left hand, scoop the ball up. You know where this is going now. I, for some stupid reason, thought I could do that in a car. (laughs) No, you did not. (laughs) So we're driving towards the gas station. And we see the little black case of the viola in the street. And there is whatever is in your mind as the stereotypical biker dude. There is a biker dude pumping gas right there at this street corner looking at the viola. And I come driving up and I see the viola. And what do I do? I open the car door. And as soon as I lean out, I realize now I can't see. I can only see a car door. (laughs) I can't see the viola. I can't see where we're going. I have no idea what's going on. So now I like totally panic and freak out. So I immediately hit the brake realize how dumb I am, take my seatbelt off, and get out to pick up the uh, viola. Needless to say, what did I say I did? I hit the brake. I didn't put it in park. (laughs) So now I get out, and as soon as I take my foot off the brake, now the car starts rolling straight at a gas station. I mean, the car is literally rolling to a gas station. The fear of, you cannot explain the fear of God that comes over you as you watch your children buckled into a seatbelt, driving straight towards a, a gas station. And I then have the viola in my hand. And I'm, I'm seriously a football running back. I run to the car full speed, and I seriously do the most athletic thing I've ever done. Okay? I jump in with both feet at the brake while the car is moving with the door open. And I, I've, never, I've never felt so uncomfortable. You would not think a car going four or five miles an hour could stop so violently as it does with a double-footed brake pump. I almost fall out of the car as I do this maneuver. Stop the car. We're done. The, the oldest is a, is a panic monger. So she's literally losing her mind. The intern McKenna in the back seat is kind of more like, man, I thought daddy was a smart person. Like she was just let down at my ignorance. 
She's just, she's only like eight. I don't know. She's like, eh, daddy's not the man I thought he was. And that was about it. The biker never flinched. The biker never even moved. I mean, think about, like, if anybody else, if I, I'm a rude person, I admit. If I'm pumping gas and your car starts rolling towards a gas pump with kids in it just so you can get out and pick up a viola, I am screaming my head off. I'm going absolutely ballistic. And he's just, he didn't move. Okay. You got the long version there. I can't believe I went that long. So that is forever known as Mead, Kansas. It's just Mead. uh, That is the Mead, Kansas story. The girls laugh about it like crazy now about how dumb daddy was. But that's just called Mead, Kansas. That's not even the story for today. Because you're going to agree this is not nearly as dumb as Mead, Kansas. But this is the second dumbest thing I've ever done. And man, was I kind of in a panic. And it was not for a very long drive. But just imagine what could have happened. So I was late today. I got here at about 5.20. And normally, if I'm getting here that late, both Izzy and Jeff Weir Production know about it. It means I was up until about 1 or 1.30, and I had a lot to do. Like, I, I do a lot of, I don't that sounds arrogant, sorry. I do a lot of different things other than just Doug Franz Unplugged here at WTSMTV.com. So if I have a lot of meetings or a lot of stuff during the day and I get a late start to my show prep, I'd stay up most of the night, sleep for about two hours and come in. But then I'm, you know, I don't get here till like 5.20, and everybody knows about it. Well, today I came in late and didn't have everybody prepped and ready for me coming in late. So here's why I was late. General Dustin, and it, it, he didn't find Doug Franz unplugged early on, Dustin in Pebble Creek, but he's, he's earned general status by coming to so many events. General Dustin came to an event, I think it was the Christmas event, if I'm not mistaken, with these orange pineapple V8 energy juices. Now, I hate V8, the regular, but the V8 new energy juices, they don't taste anything like regular V8. It's not tomato juice. So he said, you should try these instead of Mountain Dew. You're talking about being fat and you've got this uh, and you drink a ton of Mountain Dew. This is half the calories and you're going to get the same energy boost. Okay, so I tried it. I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. And I told Jennifer that, and being the wonderful wife she is, she put like eight of them in the, in the fridge. In, we have a garage fridge, and there's like eight of them in there. Well, we're out of Mountain Dew today in, in, the, in the fridge. So I said, you know what? I'll, I remembered Dustin getting me these, you know, V8s. I'll grab one of them. So I grab one of them, put it in the car, and then drive off. I am... I don't know. I just turned on to the interstate. So I'm just now getting on the 10. As I'm heading westbound or eastbound on the 10, I open up one of the drinks, take a drink, and then go, whoa! I I don't know who put this in my fridge, but I drank something called Orange Blossom Beer. If there's anything that's never going to happen, and by the way, if if you're a fine officer of the law, I will plead the fifth to this story. There's, it was like, wait a minute, what, what is this? I would never have fruited beer in my fridge unless it's for somebody else or I didn't even know it was in there. I just saw fruit on it and I grabbed it. 
So here I am with an open container driving to work. Oh my gosh. I mean, like, I'm in a panic. Like, well, oh my God. What if, what if a cop pulls over? Oh my gosh. No. So now I have to get off the interstate and I pull over into a gas station, another gas station, and I walk out, open the door. There's two people pumping gas. I get out with an open beer and throw it away. <laughs> And you talk about guys looking at you like, wait, what? Like, I don't know if they could tell, but they did stare at me funny. And then I got back in the car and I drove to work. That freaked me out totally. I mean, I am I am Mr. Beer, but that's, I mean, never, never in a million years would I do that. I mean, even in college, you'd have buddies that would drink beer in the car and I'd say, not when I'm driving, you know, like no way. And if I'm riding, no, I'm not having any. That's, you know, everybody has their line in life and they used to rip me as a stooge because I would not drink beer in the car. No, that's just, no, there's, don't be stupid. Um, and oh my gosh, when I, when I first tasted that, it was kind of like, well, that's weird. That's, whoa. And then you look at it, and it's some kind of orange beer. There's my day. How's yours? That How was, was fantastic. Yours? That was. It's, it's, it's even harder, Jeff Weir Production, when you think you're a smart person, and you get hit in the head and realize you're not. It's really, <laughs> really hard. I've just been lying to myself for a long time. And then to find out that I'm really not that smart. Oh, my gosh. Is that a wake-up call? Um, today, first of all, please keep being diligent as, as much as you can in supporting Doug Franz Unplugged. I need you in so many different ways. Uh, the best ways that you can help support Doug Franz Unplugged, especially those of you that have been with me all the time, I know you've done so much and you can kind of, you know, we all kind of get into our patterns and maybe you're not doing as much as you used to. But if you're new to the show, I need you. If you're old to the show, please don't slow down in how you support Doug Franz Unplugged. And the way you do it is, number one, if you don't, go to WTSMTV.com and you never been become a basic member. Please think about doing that. Join us on this journey as a basic member, and now you can watch all of our shows on demand. If you're a basic member, think about becoming a live member. If you're a live member, think about becoming a premium member. Never stop your due diligence on supporting the sponsors. It's really, really important. And I say that because think about it from this end of the spectrum. Every morning I used to talk to about 250,000 people a day. And now I'm right around maybe like 4,000 people a day. And that it, that sounds like a huge punch in the gut, but the truth is all that matters is our economic impact. That's truly why I created the phrase Unplugged Army. So when you're thinking about where am I going to go to lunch, if you really enjoy Doug Franz Unplugged and you appreciate that I'm giving you the podcast for free, I need you to think of Bell's Nashville Kitchen. I need you to think of Burrito Express. I need you to think of Rosati's. I need you to think of 100 Mile Brewing Company as potential places to go to lunch. I need you to think about Civlik, which is the great restaurant that's part of uh, Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. If you're going to play golf, check out Whirlwind first. If you have any issues with your heating this month, because, oh my gosh, next week it's supposed to be lows in the 40s, highs in the 70s. Okay, that's murder on your system like that. Uh, please call Parker and Sons at 6022 Repair. So please remember, find a way to help sponsor, download the podcast, do everything you can. 
and I will keep the podcast audio-wise for free for you and keep the prices low uh, here on WTSM. But that would, uh, that would really help me. Uh, last thing where I, I got a, a, a quick thought on, did you watch Jimmy Kimmel last night? I, I like Jimmy Kimmel, but I admit I haven't watched it in like three years, something like that. But I was really interested last night and Jeff Fleer Production, I was actually going to ask you to download his entire monologue when I was prepping for today's show because Pat McAfee's show on ESPN had Aaron Rodgers throw out. He, Aaron Rodgers did this on his own, that he hinted that, um, that you're going to see in the, in the Epstein uh, release of the transcripts and release of the information or whatever that was. I, I haven't read everything. But in that pedophile case, you were going to see something with Jimmy Kimmel's name on it. Like he was going to be part of the list. And Pat McAfee's show had that thrown out by Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers hasn't addressed that wild allegation because most of the list or all the lists, I admit, I don't know all the details, has come out. And yet there's been no mention of Jimmy Kimmel yet. So I was kind of fired up to hear Jimmy Kimmel yesterday because I felt like Jimmy Kimmel was going to railroad him. I thought it would be hilarious. And I, I, I mean, I was actually interested a lot. And I was going to ask Jeff Weir Production to cut it and play the whole thing, no matter how long it was, because I felt like this was going to be classic. It was awful. I, I mean, you're a comedian. Uh, I can't imagine how personally attacked you feel. I mean, is there anything worse than some Yahoo calling you a pedophile or saying you're going to be on a pedophile's list? I listened. I mean, it's so horrific just to even think about somebody doing that to you. So I get how Jimmy Kimmel had to be frustrated beyond belief. But the things he said were just juvenile. They weren't funny. And it seemed like, hey, I got this stage. Watch what I can do. Either keep your mouth shut or be funny. But, man, Jimmy, that was not a good moment for you. And, again, I, want to be, I wanted to be sympathetic. But do better. I know you don't care about one obscure podcaster that's, you know, 800 miles. Well, not 800 miles, but whatever, however miles away we are, probably 300 miles away. I know you don't care what I think, and you'll probably never hear this, but – Man, you had an open policy to do whatever you thought was necessary to a guy that treated you like that, and you blew it. I, I don't want to air it. I didn't ask Jeff Weir Production to get it because what a waste of time that was. But if you've got gobs of time on your hands today, Google Jimmy Kimmel and, uh, and listen to it on you. Watch it on YouTube. And if you think, wow, no, that was really funny, Doug. The way he said the only A's you got on your report card was your name, Aaron. How long did it take you to write that one, Jimmy? Yeah, that was just, it was bad. All right, sound credits today. Hopefully you like story time today. That's 28 minutes before I get to Doug's big one today. Uh, sound credits, we've got, uh, thanks to ESPN, I think. Where did we get the Michael Penix Jr.? ESPN. ESPN, so we got that from ESPN. We're still looking for some Frank Vogel. The Suns do a fantastic job at home games. But I don't know why road teams don't help out or if I'm not on an email list to get road game access but i don't have any sound from the suns today and i'd really like it so if if we end up getting some i'll give those people sound credits at that moment but a huge block of today's show is cardinals and another block is town hall tuesday and uh jonathan gannon did his end of the year presser 
with uh, azcardinals.com. That's where we took uh, that audio from. And uh, I think that's pretty much it. Anything on your mind, Jeff Weir Production? Have you ever looked for a viola out the trying to look through the car door before? No, that was such a good story, though. That was that was hilarious. Oh, my gosh. The stupidity of that moment is still legendary in the family. Oh, man, I mean, it's was... just... It's just legendary. I almost wish I could have seen it. Oh, my gosh. I'm glad you didn't. Um, huge, a big day today. I have an enormous appointment, one of the biggest appointments I've ever had in my life. Really jacked up today. So I actually wore the Fat Man slacks today because I ate a whole chimichanga last night. Jennifer sings with the Phoenix Symphony. And, yes, she makes dinner all the time. And she sings with the Phoenix Symphony, and they sing on Monday nights. So she she didn't come home. I like, well, you know, I'll just go to Filiberto's down the street. It's really close to the house. And usually I get their chimichanga, and it's so huge, I cut it in half. And then I have the other half, like, you know, two days later, because I don't need to eat for a week after I eat it, after I eat half of it. And I don't know why. I just ate the whole thing last night. Just crushed it. And then as soon as I was done, I'm like, why did I do that? Why? I'm still full (laughs) from last night's dinner. I didn't have my normal morning bagel. I have a banana sitting here that I haven't touched yet. And like, I wonder why I'm getting fat. So today's the day. I After that last night, when I actually have to wear slacks to work and not shorts and flips, Not even though this is a huge appointment, I want the person, I want this woman to know, no, this is what you're getting. You're getting a guy that wears shorts and flips, not your typical salesperson. Because uh, I'm not a salesperson. I'm just a guy that's got a belief system that thinks I can help. I got ideas, and I want you to be a part of this this train ride with me. And, uh, and now she's going to look at me for the rest of my life thinking, oh, you're a man that wears nice slacks. It's really nice of you to be here. I didn't know. My wife bought these as my fat man pants. That's all it is. Don't get excited. Uh, hopefully, I can go back and wear shorts and flips and not have to fake it for the rest of my life and always wear slacks around her. But I think you know me well enough to know there will be normal ugly shorts and Hawaiian shirt and flips at some point. All right. Uh, I don't think I got anything else. Let's actually bring content. Let's roll. Doug's Big One. Doug's big one today. My number one opinion to start off Doug Franz Unplugged presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass is very simple. It's taken me this long to realize it. I'm sorry I waited until January 9th to know this. And now I officially know it. As it stands right now and until they wake up, the Phoenix Suns are gutless. There's no other way to put it. They're not a tough team. Like, I've been trying to break down, break down, break down what's wrong with the offense. What's wrong with the defense? What's wrong with the ball movement? I I was looking at all of these high-level basketball problems. Is it coaching and player disconnect? Is it Frank Vogel being a defensive coach and the players having an offensive mindset? Is it players that are – I don't know what it is as far as all the basketball stuff. I realized something totally different after watching that game last night against the Clippers. They're just not tough. That's it. There's nothing more to it than that. They get punched in the face and they like it. The Clippers scored 30 points in every single quarter last night. The Suns were afraid to drive to the hole unless they were playing iso ball. When they were getting hit, they wanted a whine to the referees. It's the NBA. Okay, the NBA, you know what they've got a, a, a monopoly on? Bad officials. And here's what's even crazy about last night. It wasn't that bad. The officials were great, 
but it wasn't nearly as bad as almost every other night in the NBA. And the players are still whining. The amount of times that the Clippers were able to move the Suns right off their spot. But I, I don't know. You would think a guy with Matt Ishbia's money could afford weights. Because it looked like none of these guys had ever lifted a weight going up against the Clippers. They got physically manhandled. They were afraid to get in front of somebody, stop penetration. They were afraid to move somebody out of the paint, either in a post-up or a box-out. They were afraid to keep their eye on their man when the shot went up versus keeping their eye on the ball. Because if you keep your eye on the man and the man actually makes a run to the rim, what do you have to do? Box him out and take a hit. And boy, was that easy to stay away from taking hits. All they did yesterday is get out their red cape and avoid taking hits. It was red cape matador defense, which merged into a white flag of surrender. That was a gutless performance last night. And it would have been a problem if it was the first time they played the Clippers. But after already playing the Clippers a week ago and embarrassing yourself from an effort standpoint in the first quarter, that didn't even muster enough emotion to do something. Listen, there is something real about not developing chemistry yet. There's a real excuse to not playing together as a unit and having a fixed rotation and everybody knows their role and everybody knows what everybody else is doing. There's a comfort level to that. All of that stuff is real. And none of that has to do with playing hard and hating to lose. Those are two different things. If the Suns played really hard yesterday, battled like crazy for four quarters, and the Clippers won the game, I would hate to say, but we would just have to say the Clippers are better. That's all. Now, are the Clippers better? Oh, yeah, a lot better. They're a lot better team than the Phoenix Suns. But that's not why the Phoenix Suns lost. They didn't lose simply because the Clippers were better. They lost because the Clippers were tougher. And that's a real problem if one of the best teams in the Western Conference are tougher than you are. We already know the Nuggets are better and tougher than the Suns. Now we were made painfully aware that the Clippers are better and tougher than the Suns. I don't think the Kings are better than the Suns, but I guarantee you the Kings are tougher than the Suns. Golden State, I don't know. I don't know how Golden State can be this bad. It's just there's so much drama going on there that they can't focus on it. And I actually think Klay Thompson is overrated. Not over the course of his career, but for some reason everybody expects Klay Thompson to be what he was. Sorry, Klay, with the injuries. You're not even close to what you were, but you still have the attitude of what you were. You need to go through a Grant Hill metamorphosis. Grant Hill never went through a metamorphosis that he was more valuable than he was. But Grant Hill realized after the Orlando days and the foot problems, I've got to reinvent myself as a fantastic defensive player and a guy that could score when I need to. And he did that and had an amazing career, which would have been wrecked by injuries. That's toughness on the part of Grant Hill. 
and it's something that this Phoenix Suns team does not have right now. And there's only two ways to get tough. A, make a trade. B, man up. And I'm very interested to see whether or not B is, a, is an opportunity. We're going to learn a lot about the Phoenix Suns Thursday night. They've got two days in L.A. to get right and then Thursday night to play a game against the Lakers. The challenge is on for the Phoenix Suns. Now, the game itself last night, Clippers 138-111. The Clippers shot 62% from the field. Suns shot 49. From three, the Suns allowed the Clippers to shoot 52% while they only shot 33. I, I want you to think of toughness stats, okay? There's two really good toughness stats that I'm totally making up. Normally, it's points in the paint. But I'm going to say rebounding is a toughness stat. Clippers had 44 rebounds. Suns had 25. And then fourth quarter scoring. We already know the Suns are the worst offensive team in the fourth quarter than anybody in the NBA. The Pistons are laughing at us. Yesterday, the Clippers won 37-20. to And the irony to me is the previous game, the Suns took on Memphis, and the Suns are up by 11 going into the fourth quarter. And they played such a gutless fourth quarter that a team that's one of the worst teams in basketball when they don't have Ja Morant, who's now out for the year, he got hurt going into that game, found out he's got a a tear in his labrum, and after a subluxation, which is when your shoulder goes out of joint but then pops back in on its own. So it's, it's kind of a dislocated shoulder, but no longer dislocated. Well, that messed up his labrum. He's out for the year. The Suns played Memphis without jaw, up by 11, entering the fourth quarter, and because they're so horrific in the fourth quarter, they lost. So you would think down by 11 going into the fourth quarter against the Clippers, they would say, hey, this is where Memphis was last night. We let them off the hook. Now we're going to do the same thing to the Clippers. And they got worse. The Suns got worse. They lose the fourth quarter 37 to 20. It is, it is an amazing display of gutlessness. Amazing uh, uh, of the way they're playing. They're just not tough. Now, the three-point shooting, that's another thing that bothers me, that you already know you got a fourth quarter problem. You can't fix that. And you already know you have a closeout problem from three. 52% is, is what they allowed the Clippers to shoot from three couldn't take away the three ball and Nurkic who again I'm in total favor of that trade DeAndre Ayton is proving to be exactly what I said he was early in his career full disclosure I was dead wrong about the player coming out of college I thought he had some soft moments at Arizona but the way he played I'm sorry to repeat the story if you don't already know it but I want to establish credibility and the only way to do that is to admit to you when I'm wrong about something he had a game in Eugene, Oregon, right after the um, allegations came out out of his coach, Sean Miller. And when those allegations came out that his family was paid 100000 200000 whatever it was, he had a game in Eugene, which was unbelievable. And I immediately fell in love with him and thought, now he's going to understand what his power and authority can be, and he's going to like it. The first time he tasted that he's going to like it, we're going to see that a lot more from him. He just needs to feel comfortable with his teammates. I I was in favor of Aiden 
over Doncic. About two days before the draft, I saw a full game of Doncic, and I remember thinking, I don't know if I'm right about this. But I, I don't know European basketball well enough. I don't have time to watch it, and I wasn't going to change my mind on one game. But So I want to be fair. I was on the Aiton bandwagon. But that – I'd left the Aiton bandwagon halfway through his second year and realized he's never going to get it. He's not a competitive per- person. He's not tough. He's just going to be happy with his 13 points and nine rebounds, and the apologists are all going to say Aiton's wonderful all the time. Okay? I wanted that trade. I'm glad he's on Portland. Nurkic has had a really good year for the Suns unless they play the Clippers. I don't know what it is, but Zubak is totally in his head. Zubak totally owns Nurkic, and Nurkic is a shell of himself against the Clippers. And we've got a problem. I'll say the same thing I did yesterday. It's not time to panic, Suns fans. It's time to get pissed. Because we're being totally let down by a team that is not tough. And don't use the excuse anymore, Kevin Durant, that these are the kind of games that happen. Don't use the excuse anymore, Frank Vogel and Bradley Beal, that we've got to have more games to come together. Because coming together has nothing to do with playing tough. It has nothing to do with taking a hit. It has nothing to do with boxing out. None of that has anything to do with team chemistry, getting to know where your teammates are going to be, any of that stuff. You got to want to hit first, and they don't. They are it's the, the polite term is they need to feel us. And right now, there's no offense in the league that's afraid of the Phoenix Suns. All right, coming up next, let's do a deep dive into the Arizona Cardinals. Jonathan Gannon said a lot of things yesterday and really opened up to the media. And if you're a Cardinals fan... I think it's stuff that you've got to hear to wrap up 2023. I'll give you my version of the facts next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged. We're presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. Within the next month or two, he'll have um, surgery, and then he'll start the recovery process there. He's got to let the MCL heal before they go operate on the ACL. Um, So that's kind of the time frame of that. Here is Sue Rigler talking about game day at 100 Mile Brewing Company. Game day here at 100 Mile Brewing is less than a mile away from ASU. So game day, we have the hockey game at Mullet. We've got basketball at Desert Financial, and we have football at Sun Devil Stadium. We have free parking, and you can actually even walk over. We've got a parking garage with eight floors, so we'll never run out of parking, and it's free. So it's it's always a buzz and fun to have to watch the games here. 100 Mile Brewing Company. Fresh. It never gets old. So in the Franz household, we have an air conditioning unit, an air scrubber, a reverse osmosis system, and a tankless water heater all purchased from Parker & Sons. Why? Well, number one, because we trust them. We got to know Parker & Sons about six months into living in Phoenix, and they've showed up on time, got it right the first time, and treated us great every single time. So why would we go anywhere else? The other thing I like is some of the products have even saved us money. The reverse osmosis system gives us bottle quality water from a tap. And then the tankless water heater, I can't even imagine how much money it has saved us. We never run out of hot water, even on holidays when people are coming in to visit. And it doesn't heat up water and then just let it sit in a tank. It only heats it up as we use it. So we only use the electricity when we need it. 
And our air scrubber takes allergens and bacteria out of the air, which has just been a dream for my wife and my youngest daughter, who have some pretty heavy allergies. Call 6022-REPAIR to learn about these products. That's 602, the number two, that R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. Lightning quick story that I got to tell you that's, uh, that's kind of funny. I got a note from Twitter today saying, congratulations, today, what is today, January, January 9th, today, is my 15th anniversary of being on Twitter. 15 years I've been on Twitter. And I'm laughing about that because I got to tell you this tiny little story. Going into Christmas, so if it's 15 years, I'm assuming this is... 2008 maybe 2009 I don't remember but going into Christmas Wolf comes in to the old show one time and says hey we got to talk about this bird thing (laughs) what (laughs) you got to talk about this bird thing why whatever and uh then the show's over he calls in Yoda and we have a little post-show meeting and he talks about this thing called tweeting and he goes, Yoda, you've got to find a platform for this. And Yoda knew what he was talking about. I had no idea what he was talking about. None. And he says, listen, it's this way that you have this stream of consciousness. Like at any moment, any time a day, I can just put down my thoughts and just tell the world what I'm thinking. And Wolf always talked about wanting to do a overnight show in some rinky-dink little radio station in small town USA where it's a small building and a tower and he would just talk. Just talk about music, talk about football, talk about... He writes poems, if you didn't know, read his poetry. He just wanted to be weird and have a stream of consciousness that nobody could question and just do that for like two hours a night and that would be his show. But he wouldn't have a time when the show came on. It was whenever he got there and whenever he wanted to start. So he always thought like this. And now he thought the the tweets, tweeting will do this. But then he says, but I don't tweet. The Wolfleys don't tweet. So he challenged Yoda over Christmas to find some other platform to basically find who is who is tweeter. That's what he called it. Who is tweeter's competitor? Find the competitor. Let's start pushing all of our listeners to go somewhere else because I, I don't tweet. I, I have thoughts. I don't have tweets. So he pushed Yoda like crazy to find something. Yoda spent all of Christmas, New Year's, and about the first week of January finding something for Wolf to do other than Twitter and couldn't find it. Explained to me it's Twitter. He's calling it Tweeter. It's not Tweeter. And there's a little bird logo and blah, 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 blah. We talked about it. And then he goes, you should get on it and promote the show i said okay fine so i jumped on twitter today 15 years ago wolf then accepted the fact that we're not going to find something other than twitter and he jumped on twitter and there you go today is and as soon as i saw that that it was my 15 year anniversary 
I just totally remember Wolf coming in in late December one year talking about Twitter and saying, but I don't tweet. So we got we to gotta find something else other than Twitter. And now, now that we have X, we're starting to get a lot of other things that are actually trying to take on Twitter and create. A, I mean, it's kind of funny the way it's gone full circle. Let's do deep dive into Cardinals today. And uh, this is Jonathan Gannon, end of the year presser. It's 26 minutes long. No, I'm not playing the whole thing for you, but I just thought you should know this was a obviously end of the year, a different Jonathan Gannon. Not only is it not rushed nine minutes, media relations getting him out the door, but he actually started the presser very nicely. Good year. You guys did a really good job. I appreciate you. Things thought out. Um, hopefully I can answer them better moving forward. But uh, seriously, in all seriousness, I appreciate you guys. It was really, really rough. So I apologize for that. The The beginning of it is he sat down and he goes, I just, I just want to start – by telling everybody, thank you. Thank for the work you put in. Thanks for the coverage. Um, you know, I thought you guys were fair. Hopefully, I can do a better job in the future of answering your questions, things like that. It was was very, very kind is a good way to put it. Now, it's funny, later on in the day, uh, Bob McManaman, Arizona Republic, you know, we got to have Bobby Mack on to finish up the season. Um, Bobby Mack asked him a question, and he goes, yeah, I don't know, Bob, I just did what I thought was right for the team. I was like, well, I thought we were going to get better at answering questions. And he didn't on that one. But it shows you Bobby Mack asked a very good question. I just thought you should know a little bit more about the personality. He doesn't often show it in a presser. Um, So I wanted to give that to you. Here's a good question. What was the biggest challenge for you as a first-year head coach with the Arizona Cardinals? Um you know learning everything new day by day you know all the things that come across your desk and um you know being new with my role first time i've ever done it um i don't think there was one biggest challenge it's just the day-to-day of trying to do the best job that you can not an earth-shattering answer but i i thought i liked the question a little bit more than the answer but i wanted to give you that because I think that's a good thing. He admitted, you know, every day there's a challenge, but didn't have some moment that wasn't that was so overwhelming that it stuck out in his head. At least not one he wanted to tell us. Um, Bobby Mack then asked him because yesterday the way the end of the season works is you have all kinds of exit interviews, and every team is different. And as much as I ripped time and Kingsbury all the time Kingsbury throughout his entire tenure even when they were seven and oh I didn't think Kingsbury was a good coach um Kime I was really in Kime's corner for the majority of his tenure with the Arizona Cardinals I turned if you remember that Rams beat down I think it was in London with Carson Palmer um and then there was another Rams beat down the very next year like, I turned after the first Rams beat down and then thought, okay, maybe you could re-earn my respect. And then the second Rams beat down, I realized you, you just don't have it. You just don't have it. Um, but one of the things I really have to respect Kime and Kingsbury for is the way they handled exit interviews. Uh, they talked to – Kime talked to every single player that wanted to talk to him. And Cliff 
talk to every single player. That doesn't mean that's the right way to do it. I just respect that. Well, um, I don't – this is an interesting answer. It seems like Jonathan Gannon did not do that. And I'll get into my opinion on that in a second. But here is Jonathan Gannon when asked by Bobby Mack, um, hey, you know, it's exit interview day. Uh, How many of the guys – if you don't mind me asking, how many of the guys did you talk to and how did those talks go? Uh, A lot of them. A lot of them, not everybody, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll touch base with everybody here, but pretty, pretty shortly within the next week. But talk to some guys that are up contractually, talk to the rookies, talk to some vets, you know. So um, it was a really good group to be around this year. The reason why I found that interesting, number one, I appreciated him being honest and just saying I haven't talked to everybody. There's a lot of coaches that would hide that. Some coaches would make it a point. They will talk to everybody. I think the coach should talk to everybody, but I'm not being judgmental in any way that he didn't because there's a very good philosophical reason not to talk to everybody. And that is to show the authority to the players for the position coach. I guarantee you the position coach talked to everybody and already had it set up, hey, this is what I want you to work on in the offseason. This is how your role will expand. This is what we're expecting of you. I guarantee you the position coach talked to everybody. And some coaches feel like, I want that. I want you to know your position coach is your boss, and I'm not going to interfere with that message. I've already had a conversation with the position coach about you. You know, the position coach knows how I feel about you. And he can relay that or not relay that however he wants to manage his position. It's very empowering to the position coach. I still like the head coach to talk to everybody, but I totally get it. And, and, and if you disagree with me on that, I totally understand why. You're not wrong to disagree with me on that at all. But I, I, I really appreciated Gannon admitting that and then saying, I plan on catching up with everybody within, uh, within the next week. Next one, he was just asked a simple question. Evaluate your performance in 2023. I'm a pretty bottom line guy, so not good enough, truthfully, 4-13. and 13. Um, But uh, what we set out to do to um, get ourselves operating in a way that I think is fit to win football games week in and week out, I think we did that. And um, I think that the players, the, the message and the standard and things that we talked about and put it and hung our hat on, I think it got through and they kind of carried that throughout the year. Um, but a lot of improvement needs to be made. I feel like my job for you is to be kind of a filter to allow the players, athletes, coaches of this city to tell you their story admittedly there's things that I find boring and I don't give you and hopefully you trust me to think okay that's boring that's why Doug didn't play this quote or that quote or whatever but obviously then it's going through the filter of my opinion so I try to inform first and then opine second on different things and hopefully you enjoy that part of Doug Franz Unplugged and I just appreciated how easy he was to say bottom line we were four and 13. You know some coaches immediately go to excuses other coaches like a Bill Belichick will say, not good enough. We were 4-13. and 13. And then that's the end of the answer. I appreciated the honesty that he starts with 4-13 and 13 isn't good enough, but 
here's some of the things that that were good. And then Darren Urban I is a guy that I have to first of all Darren Urban can't stand me. All right. Full disclosure. I don't really know why, but I don't really care. And then but Darren is one that I, I've never been all that impressed with his questions. Maybe that's why he doesn't like me. Because they're very much he works for the Cardinals, but he pretends to be real media. And I, I don't like that. I don't accept that very well. You're clearly paid for media. You ask questions like you're with us, like it's a presser, when the truth is you're asking softballs all the time. But I did like this one because I'm interested in this information of which he said, you and Monty talk all the time. So do you still need to have another high-level meeting to finish off the season, or are you guys already there through constant communication that there isn't going to be a high-level meeting? Anytime the boss talks to me is a high-level meeting. That's how I approach it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, um, no, we it, it's been fantastic working with Monty for this last year. And, uh, you know, we're that's why I was almost late, almost late. Uh, coming down, I was talking with him just upstairs right now. But, um, yeah, he has, we, we have a very specific vision of what we want to do. And um, that will be, you know, that'll be flexible and adaptable too. But um, yeah, I think like those high level meetings, the sit down, drag outs, close the door, you know, stay up late, you know, because we're in constant communication all the time, that's, those are kind of fluid and they're pretty easy, honestly. And um, I'm looking forward to more of those. I think one of the biggest mistakes of Steve Kime, other than not working past lunchtime, the number two biggest mistake of Steve Kime was he didn't develop chemistry with his own coaches. I think Bruce Arians controlled that team, and therefore Steve Kime did what Bruce told him to do. And because of that, they had success. And with other coaches, Steve Kime hired the coach but then tried to micromanage things or act like all of his picks were great and you were screwing up his players. And it created a bad chemistry and not necessarily a mistrust, but one where it's we're not on the same page. And therefore, you always have a bad dynamic. Just listening to Jonathan Gannon talk about Monty, I think that's real. And I think you can believe the Cardinals are going to get better. Just based on that, the chemistry between a coach and a general manager is enormous. Are you drafting the type of players that play the best scheme I have? And coach, are you adapting to the skill set of the player because the GM and his staff believe so much that guy can play? Get the most out of this guy, even if he doesn't fit a prototype of what your scheme is how do you balance both that's the job of the coach and general manager together and you'll get organizations where it's the general manager that says my scouts did this this is why we looked at this guy this is why we need this guy this is why we went out and signed him or drafted him you coach him I've seen him play well you go do your job And then there's other coaches that are on the flip side yelling and screaming about, you knew what I wanted and you didn't get it for me. 
and and now I've got this mess. I should be in charge of personnel. And then there's a famous line from Bill Parcells. If I'm going to be the chef, I at least want to be in charge of going to the going to get groceries. It was something like that. And you can see that dynamic. And when it's not good, the team isn't good. And I I feel like there's a good dynamic between those two. Um this is a, a really good question I thought. Kyler Murray clearly had no problem throwing Cliff and Kyler uh, or excuse me Cliff and Kime under the be- uh, under the bus. And now I sub- I agree with him so I wasn't offended by it either. He didn't come out and say those two were really bad. But he said in his presser I can't remember whether he used the word refreshing or how much he appreciates and maybe he didn't mean as a shot but clearly it was. But he said in his pressure his belief in moving forward because of the level of accountability from Monty and from Jonathan Gannon, that that gets handed down, that when there's a clear plan and clear accountability, you trust the guys above you to execute an offseason game plan. And it's part of why Kyler said he's excited going into 2024. And uh, so now you've got Jonathan Gannon being asked, what does it say to you that your quarterback is complementing the trust and accountability that the team has in you? Yeah, yeah, I think it can. I mean, you know, I didn't see what he said, but um, he knows, like, you're the franchise quarterback. He's a big-time leader of this team. And, um, you know, I won't tell you all the conversations we have, but he knows he's the closest thing to me out there. So I want him to operate in a certain way, and he's uh, went above my expectation for what that looks like. And I think he's only continued to get better, and we got to get better together, and um, he will. I want you to skip one, if you would, Jeff. I'm going to get to it in a second. You're on JG7. Let's play that after JG8. So if you could give me JG8 right now, because it's on the same subject matter of Kyler. And I'll talk about the previous quote at the same time I talk about the next one. As Coach was talked about, describe the Kyler Murray at the beginning of the season, the Kyler Murray you saw when he got his first start coming off of the ACL, and describe how Kyler ended and, and what, what, how would you describe the way Kyler ended the season? Very, I would say. You know, I mean, you know, if, if, I wish we were playing another game next week because I think it would be better. You know what I mean? We just need a little time on task. That was my whole point to you guys about it's going to take a little time, and I know you kind of – you know, poo-pooed on that after he went at it, after he lit it up against it, um, Atlanta. But uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, I, I really think sky's the limit. I think that he can hit another level. I know our team can. I know the offense can. Um, you know, I, I hate to say it, but he's in there working out today. You know, it's like, dude, just like go home, man. You know, take a break. But he don't want to hear that. And um, he's on a little different. Uh, process than the other guys coming off his, his injury. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, with that guy playing quarterback for us, I know we can win every game. It's really a fascinating year in 2024. Jonathan Gannon can't lose. He cannot lose. And the reason why I say that is think about each side uh, of the spectrum. A lot of people think Kyler Murray is an average to below average quarterback, or at least will never really figure out 
high-level defenses. And if Kyler is average to below average in 2024, now you're not going to have a big cap hit. You move on from him in 2025. And that's Steve Kimes' fault, you know? The, the, the team will always and forever, Gannon will always be able to say, well, you know, we had a big cap hit. We, you know, we believe in Kyler, but it's time to move on. It's time for a change. We've got to do what's best for the organization, blah, blah, blah. And that won't be Gannon's fault. It won't be Petsing's fault. And it won't be the GM's fault. And if the other group of people that strongly believe in Kyler because of so many things Kyler can do that nobody else can do, and that's a fact. There are a lot of things Kyler could do that other quarterbacks can't. And if they do develop him into a fantastic seer of coverage and to be able to react and do the things that he hasn't shown, and you and, and validates the exact same thing that the coach just said right there, only the credit goes to Petzing and Gannon and Monty Ossenfort for sticking with him. And then he's exactly right. Now you're in every game. It's really... I mean, this is this is a great like a lot of times a coach or a GM will make a decision that's the defining moment of their career. I think this is the exact opposite. I think they can't lose. They're in a perfect spot going into the year because that cap hit is obnoxious if you move on from it. Um, Let's go to now let's go back to number seven. This is a little bit of a punch in the gut. And I wonder how much this changes their draft situation when Jody Jackson asked Coach Gannon, hey, what are we dealing with with DJ Humphreys? I don't exactly know Jody. Within the next week, within the next month or two, he'll have um, surgery and then he'll start the recovery process there. He's got to let the MCL heal before they go operate on the ACL. Um, so that's kind of the time frame of that. That's kind of rough. That could be as late as February. And, you know, offensive linemen might take a little while longer for him to heal. It kind of means you're going into 2024 as of right now without a left tackle. So do you move Paris Johnson Jr. over? I think I talked about this last week. I thought they made a mistake not moving Paris in week 17 to left tackle. Just hey, give him those reps, see what he can do, see what he needs to work on, and kind of decide, is he the guy for next year? If you've already decided, no way, he's our right tackle, we're never touching him, we're never moving him, well, then you got two choices, free agency or draft. What are you going to do about left tackle? And it's already time to replace DJ Humphreys, whether he was injured or not, is time to develop. The question is, do you draft one in the fifth, sixth, seventh round you hope to develop, or is it get a premier guy in the first, second, or third round? Or do you look at this defense is so bad, so bad, we're going to take free agency to get the left tackle, get something that we know will worry about drafting a left tackle in 25 or 26, use the free agency. I almost said free agency portal. I'm so used to transfer portal. Use free agency as a stopgap and do nothing but fill defense. Now, sometimes talking about it now is irrelevant because it's going to be totally best, best per player available. You might be sitting in that draft saying, we're getting pass rusher, we're getting corners, we're getting linebackers, we're not touching. Oh, I didn't know that tackle's going to be there. I didn't know that. Why? What, Roman Dunze is still open? Or still available? Oh, never mind, we're taking that. You know, you never know when once you're on the clock of who's going to be there. Um, good question. How close are you guys? Is this a, is this a one-year rebuild? Fill it up with free agents and and go at it and become a, a playoff contender in 24? Or 
are you a long ways off? No, yeah, I think, I mean, with, I think you're talking, the, the first thing I think you're talking about there is acquisition, right? Um, yeah, I think that Monty has done a fantastic job of the acquisition periods this last year in 2023, bringing in guys that we see fit to be Cardinals. And, um, you know, not to say you don't make mistakes, but we hit on a lot of those guys. And um, that's what we told the rookies too today, um, because there's going to be another group that's injected into this team that now they kind of have to show the way. You know, when a guy gets out of alignment, you got to bring them back into alignment, you know. But the rookie class can't say enough about those guys, some guys that we brought in, not just that draft time, but, you know, in September or December, you know what I mean? Those guys hit the, the price of admission for those guys, his team, and then you. And uh, I think that uh, when you do that and continually add those pieces and um, the coaches improve and the players improve, you got a chance. There's a really good reason to be potentially bullish on the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I don't have any idea what's going to happen with the Terry McDonough situation. I, I I can honestly tell you, and this isn't bragging, I say this is more sad about the city we live in. I'm closer to the situation than any member of the media in Phoenix, and that's by choice because I'm not afraid. And it's really sad nobody else in this market is really looking into this story. Okay, Now, when I tell you that, I'm not trying to lie to you and act like it's going to be huge. I, I think the Cardinals... If they're fair, are going to lose a draft pick, pay a massive fine. That's it. Okay. Um, some people think it's going to be absolutely nothing. I don't. I can't say that because I don't know just how rigged the situation is. I believe if the arbitrator is actually fair, the Cardinals have no chance of success in this thing. No chance. But I don't think the public cares. I mean, that's the other embarrassing thing about the media. The public was so intertwined in Deflategate that whether the NFL thought Tom Brady cheated or not, they had to drop the hammer. And a lot of it had to do with Spygate. Nobody wants to tie those two things together. Those are two different cases. But because it was implied that the Patriots get away with cheating all the time, I totally believe there was a lot of pressure from other NFL owners to Roger Goodell, you better drop the hammer on the Patriots. Now that you've got it, Evans, you better do it. And he did it, suspending Tom Brady for four games. I don't think the other NFL owners care about the Cardinals. I don't think the general public cares about the Cardinals. I don't think the general public cares about the right and wrong when it comes to football. You know, since the Cardinals are cheating to lose, why do people care? So, therefore, I don't see a hammer coming because I don't believe the arbitrator cares about being fair. Why am I bringing this up? Because that's really going to affect, if, if something does come out and there is a little bit of a story, a great way to solve that and to change it is for Michael Bidwill to spend. They have a ton of salary cap room coming up, a ton. And Michael Bidwell, usually every time that there were, usually every time, pretty brilliant on my part, 
a lot of times Steve Kime would come out after free agency, and if they didn't sign anybody important, he would come out and say, you know what, free agency is not the way to build your team. You know, we've got to go step by step. We can't circum- it's, we can't circumvent the process. We can't shortchange the process. We can, there are no shortcuts. And that's code for I, my owner doesn't want to spend money. Whenever you hear a GM say there are no shortcuts, no. That's code for my GM doesn't want to spend the money. Now, it's also used when you screw up or when the previous regime screws up or even with a Mike Hazen. You sign Mad Bum to a bad contract. Once it doesn't work, then you say, well, we tried to, sh- we tried to shortcut there. No, you signed a player that had enough proof he wasn't worth that money. And you wanted to show, look, we're trying. Bad move. Bad move. But there's a chance Michael Bidwell, who normally cannot compete with other owners financially and normally doesn't spend that kind of money, might go crazy a little bit this year in a positive way with Monty Fort making sure you do the homework for who you're paying and then spending the money that you've got because you want to take attention away from the Terry McDonough thing. Especially right when it comes out, the best thing, the best thing for the Cardinals would be whatever announcement's going to come out, if it's negative, come out around the time of the Final Four, because the Final Four is in Phoenix. Hardly anybody's going to be talking about it. Then turn around and sign a really nice free agent. Or do it before the Final Four. Do it in March so everybody feels really great about the Cardinals in free agency. And nobody cares. I think you could feel pretty bullish about the Cardinals offseason right now. Um, Coach, did you tweak any of your processes? Did you, did you learn over the course of the year, you know what, I shouldn't do it the way I thought. I'm going to start doing it this way. You know, probably the biggest tweak that no one would even know that I made the tweak is just how I kind of structured my time, truthfully, throughout the week. Um, and probably the coaches don't even know it, truthfully. Yeah. Probably Drew does, but uh, yeah, just you know, you I, as I sit as I sit in the chair that I'm in, like right now, it's like how can I impact winning in 2024? Like what can I do today that can impact winning, right? And as you go through the year, on a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, so on and so forth, how can I impact the, the wins and losses right now? You know what I mean? And um, that that you kind of adapt that through different weeks and different, you know. Um, as the year went on. So I'm very process driven. Um, I have a routine, but I think that, um, you know, and with the staff around me, help me do this. But, you know, I kind of change a little bit week to week, you know, and um, not to say I do certain things every week um, at the same time on the same day, but I'm not afraid to uh, adapt to what is going on in the building or what I feel that needs a little more attention or less attention. So um, I think that's one of the things, you know, you learn the most is you, you can't be afraid to get out of your comfort zone for the betterment of the team. So that's an ongoing process. It always will be, but I feel like that's probably it. Not deep, but I got to tell you, every now and then, Jonathan Gannon says something, and I just feel like that was a good hire. That was kind of one of those things. You think your whole career as you're an assistant, when I run a team, I'm going to do it like this. And 
you know, I can tell you openly, I know a couple people in the front office who told me one of the things they appreciated about Jonathan Gannon is how well he balanced touching everything and in being in the way of nothing. You know, it's always collaborative, yet there's a clear-cut leader. That's a real hard chemistry to develop. Does your boss have it? If you're a boss, do you have it? Do you have the ability that truly empowers your people to do their job while at the same time earning their respect enough that you're the clear-cut leader? At the same time, if your boss doesn't have that, are you a good enough employee that you've done enough to deserve that? The reason why I bring that up, I, I had a boss, and no, it's not CEO Chris, don't worry, this is not a cheap shot. I had a boss that was amazing at always saying, I'm not going to micromanage you. I'm going to let you do your job. I'm not going to micromanage you. And then what did he do? Every step of the way, he micromanaged. It was crazy. I'll never forget. <laughs> Sometimes it goes through my head, should I, should I say this? Do you, do you know a man by the name of John Gambadora? John had a fantastic interview one time, I thought, with Robert Sarver. Fantastic. Asked really probing questions, and Robert Sarver was great. I don't say that very often. Robert Sarver was great, okay? The interview ends. I'm napping. I didn't listen to the interview live. I always, you know, if Burns and Gambo had a great conversation, I would listen to it as part of my prep that night. But I slept every day from about 1 o'clock to 5 o'clock before my kid's soccer practice. So I'm out. I'm asleep. All of a sudden, my phone lights up. And it's one of the people that work in the front office. Did you hear him? Did you hear him say he doesn't micromanage? He actually has told me. You've got to micromanage. He bawled me out for not micromanaging. The guy's going crazy. While this person is talking to me, my phone is still ringing from other people. And then he said, hey, call me when you can. Call me after your nap. Some of the, the, the sources that knew I nap. Hey, do that. And I got all of a sudden, after that interview, my phone's alive with this. And I'll never forget how many people called me. I should say how many. I make it sound like 20. It's about five guys. But about five people I talked to all day that day. Some of them that wouldn't be a source on other topics suddenly wanted to be a source because they were that angry about hearing him say, I won't micromanage. From what I've been told, Jonathan Gannon does not micromanage. And I, I, I think that that's why I like that answer a lot. You might have thought it was boring, and hopefully I added some context to it. Uh, this is reasonably important. What's the future of Hollywood Brown? Do you, you know, Kyler said he wants him here. What did, what, did you, what did you say to Jonathan, or Jonathan Gannon? What did you say to him? And, and did you talk to Hollywood Brown? Yeah, I had a great talk with Hollywood. Obviously, you know, want him back, you know, and I know there's an economic side to the NFL too, and he knows that as well. Um, but I, I know that he can be a premier player for us, and, um, you know, I'm excited about what the future holds for him. Didn't give us much, but I'm just glad he had, You could argue that was a standard answer of every coach. Yeah, we want him back, but there's an economic side. We'll see how it works out which is basically it takes both sides, okay? 
that could be a bold-faced lie of, yeah, we want him back at veterans minimum, so we're not lying, we want him back. Oh, somebody wants you for $1 more. Never mind. You know, he could be full of it. But I think they want to keep Kyler happy, and I think Marquise Brown has proven himself as a true number two or number three receiver. Two might be a little high. But I don't think a team very often is going to be able to have three receivers better than Marquise Brown. Maybe you can. No way can you have four. He's not a disaster, but he's certainly not a game changer. So whether you keep Brown or not, you 100% need to go out and get a number one or at least draft and develop one. But that doesn't change the fact that if you lose Marquise Brown, you're still going to need to go out and replace him and not with just the one. You get the number one in place of Marquise Brown, you're still down a receiver. You still need to fill a hole. All right, last one. Love this question. After years of a completely mentally checked out Steve Kime, and this year you have a GM watching every practice. A lot of GMs claim they don't have time to watch practice or they'll just watch the film later. Some of them are telling the truth. Others are not. Monty was watching practice like a hawk all the time. Coach, how is that dynamic? How did is that did you expect having a general manager watching every ounce of practice? 100%. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's what we believe in is the right thing to do for the team. Yeah, those guys like seeing the boss around. You know what I mean? And Michael's around. He's at practice. Monty's around at practice. He talks to those guys every day. And um, he watches the watches practice, watches how guys are. If he has a, in a question or an issue or a compliment, he says it. And um, I think that's super important for him to do that. Um, he's obviously the, the main leader, Michael, Monty. Um, the, the players look to those guys. So, uh, yeah, just the support that he had. And he's a ball junkie, so he wants to be out there and watch practice, you know. But uh, I know the players appreciate that because they've told me that. I think that's – there's a lot of meat on that bone right there because, number one, I, he's not lying at all if the players said that because you think it's more fair. You know, when the general manager's cutting you or the general manager's giving you a raise or deciding your contract, you like knowing he's informed he's right there. I thought that was important. I thought, number two, it shows you, again, the chemistry between Monty and Gannon. And number three, I I don't think there's anybody in this market that's harder on Michael Bidwell. I don't think Michael Bidwell's a good owner. Um, I came to that conclusion after I dove deep into the situations that are going on in that front office that are still going on today. They have not ended, no matter how much the Arizona Cardinals try to tell you, they've implemented changes. That's not how uh, some of the employees feel. I'm not going to say all of them. I'm not going to say just a couple holdouts. I don't know how many total. I just know who are talking to me, okay? Having said that, that was not coerced or forced from Jonathan Gannon. To be fair, he threw out Michael's name totally willing. That was a question about the general manager. He drifted into players like having the boss watch and then went right into they like having Michael watch. That wasn't one of those where you're throwing a bone to the owner. That came out pretty naturally.
And uh, when you have a coach compliment the boss like that, I I owe it to uh, to play that for you. Hopefully, you like that. That was an incredibly deep dive. But I feel like the Suns don't earn didn't earn a lot of time today. We don't have college hoops until later this week. For some reason, ASU and U of A travel to Washington to take on the Washington schools, but they don't flip flop. One's playing Waz, I forget who's doing what, but one's playing Wazoo, one's playing UW, and they don't switch cities. They just have one road game this weekend, and then they come home. I, I didn't know they did that in the Pac-12, other than your rivalry game. Like, you'll play at U of A if you're ASU, and then you don't go back for another couple months. That happens all the time. But I, I've never seen it where they travel, and that might have been going on for a while, and I just missed it. So, sorry I missed it. But with not as much going on, and the Suns don't deserve time, I wanted to do a deep dive, have our own exit interview with the Cardinals and hopefully you like that deep dive and hopefully you you come to Doug Franz Unplugged to, to get that. All right, coming up next. It is a Tuesday. That means Jeff Weir Production takes over. You send emails, Doug at DougFranzUnplugged.com. You post something on Twitter at UnpluggedDoug. You post something on Instagram at DougFranzUnplugged. We edit them up. We throw them over to Jeff Weir Production. And now I respond to you. Thanks for being a part of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. Burrito Express started with my father about 25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. Thanks for being a part of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Just go to unplugged at whirlwind.com, unplugged at whirlwind.com, and look into becoming a member of Whirlwind Plus. So here's how Town Hall Tuesday works. You ask your questions or give your statements. I edit them up if they're a little long, hand them over to Jeff Weir Production. Jeff Weir looks at it, laughs, cries, or ignores you, and then reads it on... Hear ye! Hear ye! Oh, yay. Oh, yay. It's time to call a town hall meeting. Jeff Weir Production, who's first today? Uh, the first one we got up is Brett. Okay. Doug, Happy New Year. Oh, thanks. I've been listening to you on and off since you started the podcast. I admire how you took the cards you were dealt and made something of it. Hmm. The way you handled the whole situation is inspiring. Thank you for your hard work and dedication. Thank you, Brett. I have an opinion if I'm running the Cardinals in this upcoming draft, and I want to hear yours. I would move on from Kyler. I don't believe he can take 
take us to a Super Bowl. I don't think that Marvin Harrison Jr. will be there at number four. My opinion is trade down, draft Rome, a Duze, a Dunze. Yep, you got it right. The first time, a Duze. Uh-huh. Then, with the Texans pick, I would draft Michael Penix. I think Penix is a better build. His passing accuracy is better. The zip he puts on the ball is better. And he can see over an offensive lineman. <laughs> thank you. Uh, first of all, Brett, that's one of the nicest things you could say. So thank you. Um, even if you don't like me, and I know, Brett, you obviously do, but even those of you that watch for some reason and don't like me, I still hope to be an inspiration that firing is not death, okay? That you can find a way. It was not easy, and I'm still not out of the woods, okay? But thanks. Uh, I, I'm glad you said that. Secondly, um, when you say – I'm not necessarily sold on moving on from Kyler, and let me explain that. I do not think Kyler Murray can win a Super Bowl. I don't think he reads coverage well. I, do, I think he's an average quarterback. Now, having said that, with the massive amount of a cap hit you would take if you trade or cut Kyler, I am only trading or cutting Kyler if I am 100% sold on two things. There's a quarterback in the 2024 draft I love more than Kyler, and I can easily get him without ravaging my draft, okay? Personally, I really like Bo Nix, and I would never draft Bo Nix in the first round. That's not value to me. I like Bo Nix because I think I can get value, and I think he's going to be a solid NFL quarterback. At this point on January 9th, there is nobody in the draft I absolutely love. I can see why people love Caleb Williams, but man, he's a fumble machine. So are you totally sure you can eliminate the turnovers? If you're sure you can eliminate the turnovers, and and this is going to sound funny because it's not true, and Caleb Williams is sitting there at number four, yes, I would draft Caleb Williams under those terms, okay? We know those terms aren't going to happen. So I look at Kyler and say, you know what? Let's find out if I'm right. Because the cap, because Steve Kime handcuffed you so bad. And when I say that, it's because I don't believe in Kyler going forward. So therefore, I would keep him, take the cap hit now, keep him, and build and build more around him. Build a better defense, pick up an offensive lineman, pick up a receiver. And then if I'm proven right that Kyler Murray isn't a Super Bowl winning quarterback or he doesn't trend in that direction, now I can get rid of him a lot easier going into 2025. If he proves me wrong, and I'm even saying that as if I'm the pretend general manager, because I'm not going to tell Kyler I don't believe in you. If he proves me wrong and he succeeds, I'm set. So no sweat off my back. Now, you talked about Penix. I do like Penix, but there's one line that you put. He's got better zip on the ball. I, I would say actually not. I would go, if we're just looking at zip, I would go with Kyler on zip on the ball. And that's not a knock on Penix. That's a compliment to Kyler. What's next? From Dustin in Pebble Creek. Okay. And he says, the Holy Spirit is my best friend, unless you want to be. Hmm. Wow, okay. You know I know about the Holy Spirit. He's talking to me about you. I'm saying, no, leave him alone. 
<laughs> it works for a while, but then I over-medicate myself, and he cancels my self-control. Okay. So this comes from him. He knows you and hears us both. You have a great talent. You've been chosen to save women's sports. He will reward you, but it will come at great cost. Amen. Hmm. Dustin from Pebble Creek. Well, that's deep, uh, Dustin. Uh, number one, if the Holy Spirit is your best friend, I would totally disagree with you that that will change if I want to be your best friend. I will never be a friend of yours to the level of the Holy Spirit. I will never succeed at that level. I would never be good enough as a human being versus the Holy Spirit. So if he's your best friend, stay that way. Number two, I would have to believe if the Holy Spirit has a calling for me, he wouldn't need to leave a message with you. I would believe the Holy Spirit would just, hey, dog. And, and I, I would go in that direction. As far as saving women's sports, I disagree with a lot of people that thinks it needs saved. That doesn't make me one that believes in the other side. I do think there is an issue if you have transgender people that are not being medicated properly. And right now we don't have the testing, in my opinion, or the money to be able to make sure are your testosterone levels at a certain point to make sure you're competing fairly. I think competing fairly is real. And I think the transgender community needs to hear people that are fighting for fairness. At the same time, I think some of the people that say they're fighting for fairness are doing so in order to ridicule the transgender community instead of being sympathetic. I mean, do you really think, how often do you really think there's somebody that's a man that says, I can't win at the male level, so I just want to compete against women, so I'm willing to go through all of the pain and suffering of either starting the process of changing my gender or actually doing it just so I can win. Like, I, you're not going to get me to believe that there's this epidemic of people that are doing that. I, I'm not saying it's never happened. I'm just thinking it's so rare that there's too much panic about it. That does not change the fact. Boy, this is deep, isn't it? That does not change the fact that I do believe that if transgender people compete as a woman, we've got to have the testing to keep it fair. And that's the process that I think a lot of the transgender people think is unfair. And I, I don't think that's unfair. Keep it fair. But at the same time, let's have some understanding and sympathy without anger. I think we can do both. I think we can always do better. But I don't think I'm called to save the world on that. And if the Holy Spirit leaves me a message, then I'll listen, Dustin. Uh, what's next? The next one is from AZ Brew Crew. Okay. I, I missed the picture, but they just posted up on the scoreboard that the Green Bay Packers <laughs> clinched a playoff spot. Yes. And a missed goal by Prater. Uh, uh, AZ Brew Crew, uh, you know what? I, I failed you. You, you, he did end up sending a great picture, and I should have sent that to Jeff Weir Production, that right before the kick, they posted up, hey, it doesn't matter, Seattle, you've lost anyway, you're out. That was funny. That's a real rivalry right there. But I'm glad people told me that happened, because I didn't see who it was, but someone for the Seahawks after the missed kick came over and grabbed his junk and started jumping up and down in front of the Cardinals bench. On the one hand, it was one of the most classless things I've ever seen. You just won an NFL game, and you thought that was the way to act. And when I saw it, I thought, man, you know, I don't believe in punching a dude after the game, but at the same time, that guy deserved it. And then I heard that the Cardinals did that. 
So, you know what? I, I still don't think you have to handle it that way, but I admit, <laughs> if the Cardinals are going to talk trash, you can, I guess, grab junk. Okay, what's next? The next one I've got is at Greg H9. Okay. Happy New Year. Thoughts on, one, Austin Fort, stockpiling picks, expecting to lose some. Okay. Two. Actually, let's stop you. Let me go one, okay. and I'll, I'll answer each one. Uh, I have heard that rumor that he's trying to stockpile picks in case they lose the Terry McDonough situation and lose multiple picks. I have heard that. It's a de- decent theory. But I think at most, I mean at most draft-wise, like total dropping of the hammer, it's only a fourth-round pick. I think at most. So still a good idea, but as much as I think the Cardinals deserve negative attention for this, I just don't see the arbitrator either A, being fair, or B, even if he is fair, really dropping the hammer. Because why drop a hammer when nobody nationally seems to care? Okay, what's uh, what's the next one? Uh, number two. Yep. Spot on with Campbell. I'm assuming Dan Campbell. His oh. emotions cost them. Yes. Well, he's talking about my opinion that – I don't care how the situation unfolded with the referees. It was terrible officiating, but you don't go for two after the penalty. You got to tie the game there. That was a really bad coaching decision. All right, what's next? And what's the third and fourth? The third, uh, the hashtag unplugged army would be fine with more Jeff Ware production on the show slash pod. Oh, that's because I said, hey, Jeff, you need to talk more. Come on. <laughs> and so that's cool. There's uh, there's somebody joining us. Okay, what's next? And number four, doesn't everyone in the Mac hate Filato? Okay. What he's doing there is he's using the F word instead of Toledo. So he's combining them because everybody kind of hates Toledo. No, I don't like the city of Toledo and therefore I don't like the school. Okay. And because the school always whoops us. They beat Ohio every time. The school of death, where they eat children, that's the one in another city in southwest Ohio. That's that's a different story, okay? Uh, that's totally different. All right, let's rifle through the, the rest of it because poor Steve is getting screwed out of time. All right, this is from Sun, at Sons Keith. I have okay. a suggestion for you. Get rid of that little car and get a full-size <laughs> truck just as fast as those road conditions do not matter, LOL. I was talking about the actual – we can actually have ice on the road, especially up north, uh, coming up here, and then he's mocking me for no no i god bless you if you are a truck guy i i need a vroom vroom i I need to hit the gas pedal and go boom and no your truck does not go as fast as my car and i'm not going to tell you how fast that car has gone before and uh last one last one u of a j a c okay you guys have to ditch 98.7 and just listen to <laughs> Doug Franz podcast at Doug uh, at Unplugged Doug. 98.7 made a huge mistake letting this guy go. That is the newly crowned General Josh. He received the general title before he threw in that rip. So let, that's not me sucking up. Oh, good rip. I'll give you a general title. Uh, that That's funny of you, uh, Josh. I, I remember that text stream or tweet stream where a lot of people were commenting on something that happened on the old show or the old station. And then he jumped in with, uh, with that little dig. Um, you know what? Whether they did or not, I, I've always said this. There were things I did in the past there that I deserved to get fired for and didn't. So whatever happened at the end, yeah, I think they made a mistake too. But you know what? After I sucked it up, I'm happy. I, I like WTSM. I like Jeff Weir Production. I'm happy. Um, Steve McCollum now joining us, having to wait through Town Hall Tuesday because I went way too deep on on uh, on one of the answers. Steve, uh, how are you? How's your life? Fine. Are you happy? Mm, I'm here. 
What? Is there anything I can do to make you happy? Do you want to no. hug it out? No, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> we uh, we had a wonderful little do, day. Do uh, you care is the bigger question. If, if you're happy, of course, I would have asked. Why would you ever ask? Now, <laughs> no, I, if I started unloading all the problems and everything and all of that stuff, uh, yeah, th- you would just be like, all right, let's cut Steve off and move on. Oh, okay. I I wouldn't if if you needed to if you need to if you need to vent. I am I am I am here. I got my, I got my own show to vent on. Oh, okay, good. Well, that's coming up in uh, in sixteen minutes. Yesterday, Steve and I had fun. I don't know if we're supposed to say it, but Steve and I had fun yesterday. Uh, a lot of us went over yeah. to. I'll just say it, and then I'll find out if I'm in trouble later. We haven't officially made decisions, made the move. There's a lot of other things that have to happen, but we kind of explored new WTSM yes. TV possibilities yesterday. And they were very, very exciting. And, uh, and, and the, I think the highlight of the potential is Izzy having an office. Like, wow, oh. at that age, Izzy having an office. Oh, I was going to say, what about me having an office finally? You, well, people say I have an office, but do I really? No, I mean, it's I, your studio. I, I sit in a but room I in get, studio. You don't get kicked out of yours on yeah. Tuesdays when Hanging with Coop comes in because, you know, Jeff Schneider comes barging through the door and he's like, get your stuff out of here. I got to get ready. <laughs> so on Tuesdays, it's rough for me. But no, uh, in all seriousness, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, look, we're, we're growing. We're making it bigger and uh, and all of that stuff. And then, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll just say now we're our business side has always been part of this company and uh, we've got some great ideas and shows that it's are Fun, coming yeah. for our business program and local programming coming up uh, as well. So, uh, and that this move is going to allow us to finally do that stuff. And uh, it's exciting to, that's coming up. It means I'm going to have to work harder. So I'm not happy about that. But other than that, it's going to be fun. <laughs> that's a funny, a funny way to uh, look at it. <laughs> do not give us, I don't want all of the main event in the next four minutes, three minutes, but well, I gotta stall. your son's opinion. <laughs> where, where, where are you at after Whoa. last night's I, I trash? Th- I said it the other day, and I'm going to keep repeating it. Uh, something's wrong with Booker. Whether we hope it's an injury, right? Because what's the other solution? Yeah, he's not right. happy. He is not happy. Yeah, if he's not injured, he's not happy here. He's refusing to play. Uh, he's refusing to play hard. So hope to God it's an injury we don't know about because uh, he's he's a problem with this team right now. I'm really going to go with your injury theory because he's just accomplished too much yeah. to suddenly turn, number one. And number two, he's never going to the Hall of Fame as a defender. But oh my gosh, is his defense improved so much since his rookie year. Absolutely. And to all of a sudden hit a wall. Now, I'm not saying he's the worst defender on the court, but it is not the same as he had been the last two or three years. But it's even worse. He's not even shooting well. Now, I will give I'm surprised he played last night. I'm not going to lie to you. He rolled an ankle pretty bad and then sucked after that the other night. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was surprised he even played last night. So give him kudos for that. But if you're going to be that terrible, why are you in there? Yeah, it's it's bad. They look look rough. There's a disconnect on this team, uh, you know, and can they solve it's the question. And I'm still of the belief they, they can figure this out and solve it there's plenty of time to do it i just uh that clock is coming down and uh if it's a locker room problem that we don't know about which the suns traditionally have been very good at keeping those locker room problems quiet Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if it stays quiet uh or if it leaks out you know i'm one of the things i'm no i mean you would need a 12 game losing streak before i turn on frank vogel this early but one of the things that interests me, because he's already proven 
he's a good coach. And mm. I mean, with other teams. And Booker. Has and, he, though? Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at what he did in Orlando, what he did in Indiana. We could debate the Lakers because I'm kind of one yeah. that well, I look what, at Anthony well, Davis is a really good player when it's COVID yeah. and you're in a little environment where you can be I don't mean to interrupt. I mean, take yeah. the Lakers out. You're right. Orlando and Indiana. But what were those teams? Young teams. Yeah, young tryouts. Not a teams. lot of talent on those teams. Yes. What has he done with a established team? He had LeBron James. He gets most of that credit, right, right or wrong. Right. Uh, and that's the worrisome. With a team with superstars like this, I'm not too sure he's the guy to handle it. You might be right. I, I, I just know when I say good coach, I mean knowledgeable, blah, yeah, blah, blah. Absolutely. Good, stuff so like money. that. Yeah. But yeah. we also know that Booker, Durant, I mean, these guys know how to play. Yeah. I'm starting to wonder, was he the right fit, kind yes. of where you're going? Yeah. Because if he's a defensive genius, and I know too many people that says he is, and yet it's not translating at all. Yes, they're not listening. Th- yeah, exactly. Is it? Is yeah. he just the and, wrong and, fit? And that's what I'm getting, and I've said it all along about Frank Vogel, is uh, will he get these guys to conform to his system, mm-hmm. uh, or will they just kind of revolt against him? Uh, because, again, uh, where's the veteran, where's the team he's glad that he's veteran. Same thing with Monty, right? Monty was a good coach in, in certain places, but then you get those superstars. It's another question. Uh, it's good something point. to be watched. No doubt about it. Good point. See you. I, uh, I was really good, by the way. Uh, some of the stuff that Steve had to say, if you want more of it, it's coming up. It's only 10 minutes away. When you get Steve McCollum, the main event coming up um, from 8 to 10 here on WTSMTV.com. And then you've got uh, iOS, Izzy on Sports, 10 to noon. Love for you to be part of it. And what is today? Today is Tuesday. We also have Hanging with Coop coming up at noon. Bruce Cooper, the legend of all. There's, there, if you want, if you're like you're new to the area and you don't know this. There's two guys. There are two dudes, legends of sports personalities in Phoenix. Jude LaCava, Bruce Cooper, and no way do you choose. Even though they were on two different networks, man, you made sure to find out what both were thinking, okay? Legends, and we've got one of the legends. Really jacked up, hanging with Coop with his longtime producer, Jeff Schneider, at noon, and then the Organic Football Show every single Tuesday at 1 o'clock until the end of football and uh, help you out with your fantasy as we wrap up the year and uh, kind of their season wrap, things to look forward to, jacked up to uh, really excited that they were part of everything this year. All right. Uh, I'm a little nervous about this one. Oh, I I was getting ready to tell you what I'm thinking, but let me go into uh, what I did last night. I went for blood money last night, and I'm I'm not embarrassed about it. If the Suns don't want to play hard, and that means they're not connected to this valley right now. And it's not a team like we've been able to see grow up like the previous team that went to the finals. When you've cherry-picked trying to win a championship, we get to cherry-pick enjoyment. And let me ask you this question about the Suns, and this is part of versus Vegas. When they had Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, they had Book, they had the beginning of Chris Paul when he first got here, how often did you check the schedule? Were you ever frustrated? Wait, the Suns aren't on tonight? Why why don't they have a game? Didn't you feel like you loved that team, were so connected to that team, that you missed them when they weren't on? Why don't they have another game? Do you feel like that this year? 
do you feel like you have an unbelievable connection to this team that you can't wait to see them play? Or are you starting to get frustrated where it's, hey, we were supposed to have something and we don't have it. And it's just not enjoyable right now. I'm, I'm there. I'm still a fan. I'm not leaving the team. I'm still watching the game both because of my job and because I love the team. But I don't feel a human connection like I did to teams of the past. I bring that up because I have no problem going for blood money. I didn't say I loved the pick, but yesterday I told you I really like it. Uh, Clippers minus the five and a half against the Suns. Clippers win 138-111. On a tiny heater right now, I'm 8-0 and in my last eight games, feeling pretty good. And um, I was on a really nice heater until I got hit in the face with an 0-3. <laughs> I went 0-3, 2-2, 1-2. Not good. And then went right back into another heater. So I'm feeling pretty good with the 8-0. I did not look at hockey. I got one basketball game for you today, but let me cheat and look at hockey really quick and see if there's, there is a game. I'll get to that in a minute. One basketball game for you, and that is whenever somebody is out for the year, it really is disarming to the other team and they normally get lazy while the other team plays as hard as they possibly can. I'm going to take Memphis plus the eight and a half after this is their first game after the announcement of losing Ja for the year. And it's very easy for the other team to take it back. You, as a team, you kind of already knew your seasons in the crapper. You as an individual, like a lot of people think, oh, they don't care. They know they're out of it now. It's actually the exact opposite because these are professional athletes and now they look at, I get more playing time, Jaws out. I'm going to get more shots. Jaws not shooting. Sometimes they get too individualistic, but a lot of times they play really hard because they want to fight for those minutes. And the other team thinks that they've checked out. The other team thinks, well, they're easy to beat without Jaw, and then they don't show up. Now, this could this happens a lot. I'm right in theory, but Dallas is just getting healthy, so they might run run away with this thing. This is not an I love game, but I like Memphis plus the eight and a half. I admit I was hoping to get ten and a half, but I like that. All right, let me switch to the NHL because I'm looking for um, any game where there's a back-to-back because I think hockey is just way too hard for back-to-backs, and I have got one back-to-back, and it's Boston flying in from Colorado to take on the Coyotes. Man, if the Coyotes were doing anything right now, I would be all over the Coyotes. But they're just not playing well enough to take on the second-best team in all of hockey. Let me see the juice. Plus one and a half with the Coyotes. The juice isn't very good, so I won't take that. No, I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to touch it. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I'm going to be so mad tonight watching that game, thinking I had something. So let's look at Vancouver. They're at the Islanders after playing the Rangers yesterday, so it's not that bad of a uh, of a trip at all across uh, Long Island. Islanders minus one and a half. I'm getting plus 200. It's only minus 122. You know what? I'll take it. I'll take the Islanders on the money line. 
because minus 122 is in bad juice. So I like that. So I got Islanders money line and I got uh, Memphis plus the eight and a half are my two games today on versus Vegas. Hopefully, I didn't put enough time into those picks, I admit. I'm a little nervous. Why would I blow an eight-no streak? Bad move. Thanks a lot to Sweet Lou. Getting lunch with Sweet Lou on Thursday. I'm excited. Thanks, Unplugged Army, for being a part of Doug Franz Unplugged. And thanks to everyone who supports the sponsors by going to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and just looking into possibly becoming a member of Whirlwind Plus. I think it's one of the best programs in the state to save money and still golf a gorgeous, one of the best courses in the city and in the state is Whirlwind. I'd love to see you out there sometime. We'll try to set a date and have another Unplugged Army event. Heating, cooling, plumbing, electrical specialist. That's Parker and Son, 602 to repair. Something to eat? Burrito Express, best breakfast burrito you'll ever have. Rosati's, the official sports bar. 100 Mile Brewing Company. And the legendary number one sponsor that we first ever had, that's Bell's National Kitchen. I'll see you tomorrow. The main event is up next.